Philippians 2, starting at verse 19. And it's Paul writing from prison, remember, and cheering up and geeing up the Philippians. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Wonderful. So maybe you picked up one or two things there. And I'm now going to hand over to Steve, who's going to uh, bring God's word to us. Morning, friends. Let's begin with prayer, shall we? Our Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have of serving each other in the name of the Lord Jesus. And now as we look at this passage, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our hearts, that we might serve you and each other to the glory of God. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't know whether you saw it. Um, there was a, a bit of a fad uh, a year or two ago on social media of little cartoons uh, about a little stick man called Bill. Uh, and they would go something like this. This is Bill. When Bill doesn't know what to say, Bill keeps quiet. Bill is smart. Be like Bill. Um, there are lots of those Bill-like messages, and they're aimed really at just saying, use Bill as a role model. Although it should be pointed out that sometimes those messages have been used quite unkindly. But the idea of a role model and an example 
is really where we're going with our passage that Tim has just read for us today. I wonder who you look to as a role model, not just famous, inspirational people, but perhaps people that you know, a teacher, a friend, a colleague, a family member, perhaps. Well, in today's passage, Paul offers us examples of two particular role models, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And humbly, I think, as well, gives us good reason to use Paul as a role model. A role model being somebody who's worth following because what they do will teach us how to do things well. Now, remember that uh, at the time of this passage, Paul is under house arrest in Rome, uh, and he wants to be sure that the Philippians are holding firm to the gospel because he's concerned for them. And we'll see next week at the beginning of chapter three that there is a risk to the church of um, false teachers, of people who, of whom he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. You see, the early church, like today's church, was under attack. And Paul was concerned to make sure that they were really, really clear on the value of Christ above anything and anybody else. Establishing Christ as the example that they, like him, should follow. And as we saw last week, following Christ in that way develops a godly attitude, which then overflows into witness and worship. So Paul says, in effect, look at the godly models of Timothy and Epaphroditus and see how their lives show that they've grasped everything that I've been talking about so far in this letter that I'm writing. They've grasped the teaching and they love Christ above everything. And the outworking of that is that they want to be concerned for the needs of others above their own. So let's have a look first at Timothy verses 19 to 22. Now, of course, all this is happening a long time before social media and email. No suggestion here of Bible translation software that can be accessed all over the globe by the wonders of technology. They didn't even have a first class Royal Mail service that had couriers who would convey messages by foot and by ship. So Paul plans to send Timothy to the church in Philippi to give them news of the outcome of his trial and the verdict that's been passed. We see that in verse 23. And just as an aside, note in verse 24, Paul's optimism that he is going to be released. And he wants Timothy to get back there quickly to encourage them. And also that he might be encouraged because then word can be sent back from Philippi that they are OK. And as we see in verse 22, Timothy was like a son to Paul. They had that close bond. So notice three things about Timothy. Firstly, he stood apart from the crowd. 
He was different. Look at verse 20. I have no one else like him. Now, that may equally imply I've nobody else who's so like me, so concerned as I am for you, the church in Philippi. Or it could be taken to mean nobody is better suited than Timothy to take the task of of bringing news of me and my incarceration to you, that you might be encouraged that I'm going to be released. and I'm confident of it. I think either of those would fit the context, but either way, it's making the point. Timothy is not like the everyone of verse 20. I think we could read that as everyone else. Yes, believers, but though they're believers, they've not really got everything yet. They're not putting others before themselves. They're not putting Christ first. In contrast, says Paul, Timothy genuinely puts the welfare of others before himself, proving himself to be one who truly understands the gospel. And thus working in service of the gospel alongside Paul, his spiritual father. Secondly, notice that Timothy was genuinely concerned for others above himself. And this was no kind of dutiful, oh, I'm on the road to this week, I'd probably better phone somebody up and do something, kind of caring for other people. This was a deep down, I love you kind of caring. I'm genuinely concerned. And Timothy knew that the Philippians would be worried about Paul. They would know of his incarceration and be anxious that he was well. And so with that close relationship, father and son, surely what they should do is stay together for the sake of each other. Timothy would have loved to have stayed with Paul, I'm sure. Paul would have loved to have Timothy stay with him to help him in his imprisonment. But... For both men, the spiritual well-being of the Philippian church trumped both of their personal preferences. Others first. And thirdly, note Timothy's motivation. He was committed to gospel work. Note in verses 20 to 22 how Paul describes the reason for Timothy's concern. He will show genuine concern for your welfare for everyone else puts themselves first. But, you know, he has proved himself. Why has he proved himself? In what way has he proved himself? As a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. Do you see how Timothy is compared with the everyone else? How his commitment to others is not the result of some sense of tedious duty that he has to do, but it's the result of his joy in and commitment to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. This is Timothy. Timothy stands apart from the rest, putting others before himself. Because Timothy is committed to the work of the gospel. 
Timothy is smart. Be like Timothy. Well, what about you? Are you willing to stand apart for the gospel, to be different to everyone else? To tirelessly, selflessly love people so much that you want to put them first, not out of duty, but because of love. Who could you be serving this week, even in these difficult times when visiting people is less straightforward, when there's more stuff on Zoom? Who could you be serving this week for the sake of the gospel, even if it's personally costly? Well, secondly, let's have a look at Epaphroditus. Um, we only meet him and see a little bit about him in this book in Philippians. And yet, in a few verses, we discover a lot about who he is and his relationship with Paul. And he was clearly very, very dear to Paul, wasn't he? You can see that in verse 27. He'd been sent by the church at Philippi to take gifts to sustain Paul while he was in prison. We see that in chapter four, verse 18. And he was almost certainly the postman who, when Paul had finished this letter, give it to Epaphroditus and say, take this back to Philippi. But not only that, notice what Paul says of Epaphroditus. Verse 25, he was a brother co-worker and fellow soldier. Now verse 25 tells us something about the close bond between the men, doesn't it? They're united as brothers. Then notice that they're not just friends, they're not just colleagues, they're brothers and they're co-workers. I think it's fairly obvious that Paul in this relationship was the elder, as we might call him, he was certainly older in age. And yet it wasn't a case that Epaphroditus reported to Paul in gospel work. They were partners, co-workers, and they bore scars as a result of it. That's the implication of them being fellow soldiers. They're in battle for the sake of the gospel. And it had had a huge impact on both of them. As we've seen, here is Paul in prison. Here is Epaphroditus who nearly died. So he was a brother, co-worker and fellow soldier. Notice, secondly, he was more concerned, like Timothy, for others than for himself. Paul tells us that he's the sort of man who's worthy of honour, verse 29, because he risked his life on behalf of others. Well, today we honour people like that, don't we? There's been a lot of talk, quite rightly, about how we should honour those working in the NHS and in care homes who put themselves deliberately in harm's way in this COVID situation to care for people who are ill. And many people, there have been many stories, haven't there, of people who've left home so that they can protect the people they work with and moved into the home missing their families for long periods of time. Epaphroditus was similar. <clears throat> he was so committed to caring for Paul that he became ill, so ill 
verse 27 tells us he almost died. Now, it doesn't tell us the nature of his illness, whether he picked up some kind of infection or whether he had uh, perhaps suffered from the rigours of the journey. Philippi to Rome is a long way, probably take about seven weeks. Or whether having got to Paul, he was just spending too long, too much time and energy without enough rest in caring for Paul. Such was his concern for him. He didn't get enough rest. Whatever the cause, though, news of his illness has travelled back to his sending church in Philippi. And news of their reaction had come back to Epaphroditus in Rome. Here he is, really unwell, towards the point of death. And what's he concerned about? He's concerned that they're worried about him. He's desperate to go and see them, to put their minds at rest and say, look, I'm OK. <clears throat> and wonderfully, as we see in verse 27, he survived. He pulled through. How did he pull through? Because the Lord had mercy on him. This is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is willing to work and fight for the gospel, putting others' needs before his own. Epaphroditus is smart. Be like Epaphroditus. Well, what would being like Epaphroditus look like for you? As a brother or sister in Christ, as a co-worker for the gospel. Are you willing also to be a fellow soldier? To pick up the battle scars? To stand firm when the going gets tough? I'll be honest and say, I'm often afraid when I look at some of the things going on in our country and some of the things that we are going to need to stand firm against for the gospel. And it's at those times I need to look back to the beginning of chapter two, verse five, and pray for the mind of Christ. Standing firm for him, putting the needs of others above my own, looking at the example of Christ we see in chapter two, verse six to eleven. Can I ask you, please, pray for me, pray for Jake, pray for Dan, pray for Jeanette, that we would remain faithful, that we would stand firm for the truth of the gospel. And we will continue, as we do, to pray for you. Let's be fellow soldiers together, serving each other, supporting each other, not for ourselves, because the world so desperately needs the good news of the Lord's mercy. We live in a world that is lost and needs the Lord Jesus. Well, finally, and more briefly, Paul and his example to us. It's clear that Timothy and Epaphroditus had the mind of Christ, verses four and five of chapter two. They followed the example of Christ himself, didn't they, as they were called to do. But also they had followed Paul's human example, his spiritual fatherly example, if I can put it that way. And despite the closeness of the relationship he had with these two wonderful men, he was planning to send them both away. 
Timothy to deliver news of the outcome of his court case and to bring back news of the church at Philippi to encourage Paul and Epaphroditus to bring reassurance to the church at Philippi that he was okay, that the Lord was faithful and had had mercy. Well, Paul would undoubtedly, undoubtedly have wanted to keep both of these men with him, to care for him, yes, but for the fellowship in the gospel. But we can see the depth of his care for Epaphroditus, can't we, in verse 27? You notice how God having mercy in healing Epaphroditus spared Paul from sorrow upon sorrow. It's almost as if... Had Epaphroditus died, Paul would have been inconsolable. And yet he knew what was best for the Philippian church. Notice that Paul wasn't simply willing to let Epaphroditus go back to Philippi. Verse 28, he was eager to send him. Firstly, he says, so that you may be glad. Secondly, that I may have less anxiety worrying for you. You see how Paul always was looking at what would best serve the needs of others. This is Paul. Paul loves Jesus and works tirelessly to make sure the local church is safe from false teachers and is standing firm for the gospel of Christ. Paul is smart. Be like Paul. Well, what does being like Timothy, Epaphroditus and Paul look like today. You know, Philippi in around about AD 61, when Paul wrote this letter, was very, very different to Banbury in AD 2020. But God hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. The fact that the church is under attack hasn't changed. But also the fact that God is sovereign hasn't changed and the fact that he is in control in his world hasn't changed and the power of God to work through people and change lives hasn't changed so let's encourage one another to seek the mind of Christ let us pray for one another let's pray with one another that we might be like Timothy Epaphroditus and Paul that we would love Jesus so much that our love of him overflows into a genuine concern for the welfare of others, that God would direct everything that we do moment by moment, day by day. I want to invite you to join with me in prayer as we finish and praying the collect actually for last week. But it's a wonderful prayer on this theme, and I want to invite you to join with me in praying it, if you dare. Um, it'll come up on the screen in a moment for you to join with me. Uh, somebody said to me recently this week, this is a dangerous prayer, but it's a wonderful prayer. I'm going to give you a moment just to look it over and then invite you to join me. Let's pray together. O oh God, 
For as much as without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.